friends. Thanks for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, the podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha and Andy. And this week, we're talking about Miss Congeniality. Congeniality is about tomboy FBI agent Gracie Hart, who has to go undercover as a beauty pageant contestant in order to prevent a potential bombing of the Miss United States beauty pageant, or as I like to call it, a scholarship program. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this movie was directed by Donald Petrie. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it was written by Mark Lawrence, Katie Ford, and Karen Lucas. Damn, three writers. I know. The movie stars Sandra Bullock, Michael Caine, or Mr. Scrooge, as many people know him, Benjamin Bratt, Candace Bergen, William Shatner, Heather Burns, and Ernie Hudson. Wow, so many. Yeah. Star-studded. I didn't know how many stars were in this. Oh, yeah. It's full of stars. I just thought it was a Sandy Bulls. Ah, uh, solo bull. Sandy balls. <laughs> Sorry, bullocks and. Oh come on. In English means balls. <laughs> in the Queen's English. <laughs> oh God. Um, super random, but Heather Burns, who plays Miss Rhode Island, uh-huh. she's married to Samir from Office Space. Oh snap! Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. We've been watching a lot of The Office, so I didn't. I, my brain didn't oh. let you finish the word there, and I was like, "What the hell, Samir on The Office?" <laughs> I should have let you finish a whole sentence before I dive in. <laughs> my brain's too quick. It goes. Yeah. So, Miss Congeniality was released in December of two thousand. Damn. I can't believe how much time has passed. <laughs> Just like uh, your last movie, The New Groove. You're uh, you're on a two thousands kick. I guess so. Well, this movie had a budget of $45 million, and it made just under $213 million in the box office. Smash it. This movie is so iconic in many ways, and our timing is a little off on this podcast, but of course, the iconic April 25th date has passed. Yeah, we should have <laughs> timed it to be released on April 25th. Whoops. <laughs> but happy uh, perfect date to everyone. Yep. And yeah, I I think I can't really tell you how I came across this movie in terms of my background. But as we all know, and if you've been listening to the podcast, I, I guess love Sandra Bullock movies. Oh my God, you. <laughs> this is your third Bullock I don't think we've done any other actor three times yet on the podcast, like in a starring role. <laughs> but yeah, I, I called her your John Goodman. Because I, I, I guess so. <laughs> you, yeah, it's your favorite actress. There's no funny clip of her to put in randomly that like people will know. No, maybe but, her snorting. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Also, I don't know how many people know that John Goodman's screaming. I think that's just me who loves it oh. so much. <laughs> I don't think that's like his career defining moment. Oh, man. But I cannot tell you how many times I've watched this movie. I could have almost quoted it back in the day. I think it's been a couple of years since I watched it, surprisingly. Yeah. But it's still as good as ever in my book. I think if you just want to relax and have a fun night, this is the movie you want to pop in. And I think that everyone can enjoy this movie. But I'm not going to plead my case just yet. Yeah, a little early. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what do I have in store? <laughs> All right. So, like I said in the intro, this movie really takes place within the world of, like, the Miss United States beauty pageant. Yeah. 
And the preliminary competition, or a lot of this movie takes place in Texas, uh-huh. San Antonio specifically. And what's in San Antonio? The Alamo, right? Yep. So I went to San Antonio in college for a TV conference for like college students. I yeah. forget what the conference was called. We were actually talking about this before because I went to one in Austin. Yeah. From, I was on like my school's TV station in college. Oh my God. Imagine if we went to the same conference <laughs> and we had met. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no faith or excitement. Uh, it would have been cool. Ugh, whatever. All right. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only person in the world who went to San Antonio, visited the Alamo, and was excited because that's where a scene from Miss Congeniality took place. Wow. <laughs> of all the, the reasons to, to look at the Alamo as an historic place to go look at. Yeah. That is funny, though, as much as I'm making fun of you, because the first time I ever heard of the Alamo and, like, knew what it was was because of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Because uh. uh, there's a whole scene that takes place there, and there's a big funny joke. Hey, kid, what's your name? I can't remember. Where are you from? I can't remember. Can't you remember anything? I remember the Alamo. Yeah! I don't really have that much to share, except that I think that this just this movie has all of the things that I love. It's got Sandra Bullock. It's got a classic montage makeover scene, um, a cutesy little love story on the side. But and then just like fun jokes. Yeah. Making fun of itself. Just it's just fun all around. And it's just a good time. Like nobody suffers or like anything like that. Like you don't have to worry. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just happy. I mean, someone almost gets assassinated, but I guess sure. Yeah. And then someone does experience sexual assault that we just breeze over. Oh, we'll yeah. talk about it. Cla- classic era. <laughs> I think that a lot of the movies that I enjoy that sort of s- quickly go over like horrific things sort of has shaped who I am as a person, weirdly. Because, like, I'm able to handle a lot of, like, traumatic things, but I kind of, like, brush over it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's what it... It is what it is, and then it's kind of messed up. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, Christ. there's even a part in the movie where, like... The one character tells the other, like, they shouldn't be brushing over and not thinking about something horrible that happened yeah, in their past. but then the movie brushes <laughs> oh, over Oh, for sure, it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, no time for this. Oh, God. We all need therapy, people. Um, But lastly, <laughs> what I love about this movie is the Rhode Island representation. Oh, my God. I can imagine. Rhode Island doesn't get represented in a lot of big films like this. So this one, I think we're really proud of. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, you know, I just, I love this movie. Nice. And I'm I'm actually really happy that uh, we made this podcast once again because how else am I going to get you to watch Miss Congenial? I probably would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it's the same with a lot of my horror movies, so I'm not I'm not trying to be the dick here. Uh, I guess there are a lot of times where you'd be like, yeah, I'm not like you know, it, it took it took my birthday for you to watch Scream. <laughs> you know, like it was like it had to true. be a present. It wasn't even <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> but Andy, I'm curious. I mean, let me know a little bit about your background and what you sort of predicted this movie would be like yeah uh so yeah i never had never seen it but i very much remember it coming out you know it made so much money that it was everywhere commercials and mm. i was 10 years old at the time so i remember i had no interest in seeing it but i do remember i had some like family friends growing up like some croatian family friends like busy grew up like cousins like we were always at their house and it, they had you know the son right around my age and he had a little sister that was like two years younger 
And uh, I remember her loving this movie. Like she was always like, "I'm gonna go watch Miss Congeniality." Um, so that's like that was my biggest like. Where I'm just like, "Oh, pe- I guess people are watching because this girl's watching." <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I remember it being huge. I remember you know some of the jokes like similar to Emperor's New Groove, where just probably from seeing the trailer so many times, like on TV and, and TV spots, that I did remember some jokes. And like you already mentioned, the April 25th joke, you can't be on social media without that clip popping up 100 times every year on April 25th. Yeah. To the point where I actually, for a while, didn't even know it was from this movie. I oh. just, like, I knew it was from something. Like, I knew it wasn't, you know, I knew the clip had to generate somewhere. But then I found that somewhere along the line that it was it was miscongeniality. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, the trailer and the concept pretty much tell you what it's going to be. Like, I, there wasn't too many, like, surprises. It wasn't like... It wasn't like Ghost, you know, which we still haven't done on this. But when I finally watched it, I'm like, oh, that was very different than what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, this was pretty much what I thought it was going to be. The idea of like a tough as nails, you know, tomboy type lady trying to be a woman when, uh, you know, she's not by nature. Or right. Woman-like. Well, you know what I mean? What we expect a woman yeah, to Yeah, being feminine, be. you know, traditionally feminine when she's more masculine and all that. Right. So, yeah, it was pretty much kind of, you know, it, it delivered as promised. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't have too much. I just, I'd never seen it. And, I, you know, I knew it was a comedy, so I knew there was going to be a lot of jokes. The only part that really threw me off was how many other stars were in it. Mm. Like, for have, the amount of times that I've, I know it's been 20 years since I've seen the trailers, but from back then, just seeing all the TV spots, I feel like they always just focused on Sandra Bullock more. And, you, like, I, I would think you put, like, Michael Caine and Candace Bergen and even William Shatner, like, right. and Ernie Hudson, like, more on the front line, just to be like, look how many stars we have. Mm-hmm. But I remember just, it was like Sandra Bullock all the way. But yeah. I mean, 2000s, she was at the height of her she's power. She's huge, yeah. And she's had... actually a producer on this movie as yeah, well. Yeah, I saw, yeah, yeah. You know, being me, the only real Sandra Bullock movie I ever saw growing up was Speed. Right. And uh, <laughs> Which I'm sure we talked about on our other episodes. But yeah, now I'm a, I'm a Sandra Bullock aficionado, thanks to you. Ha! <laughs> got him <laughs> but she's good she can play a lot of different roles like this this role like at least I've, even out of the ones that we've watched and covered on this podcast this role is very different than her in practical magic and her in while you were sleeping yeah i think she's got range but also she's just very charming like i don't know what it is about her but she just seems like a down-to-earth star yeah. like even though you know she's gorgeous and all this stuff but like she's relatable somehow still yeah i think it was interesting watching this uh com- compared to while you were sleeping because that one was another one where she plays kind of like a loveless person who's you know a loner and and can't really get along with the opposite sex and all that but Mm -hmm. it's like for completely different character reasons so i think that's a testament to like her as an actress where her character in that movie and her character in this movie they're both like i said loners and and can't really get it together but it was like completely different like Mm -hmm. it was more of like a shy in that one and this one is more just like a not grossness but like just a very masculine like snorting spitting you know picking her teeth like right kind of stuff like that and you know i always i'm always curious in these movies where they're, they're trying to convince us that a gorgeous actress isn't gorgeous <laughs> but you know i think they did a decent job yeah when i was doing research for this they did speak about how challenging it was to make sandra look unattractive i guess yeah for this role sort of like how they had to make brad pitt look unattractive for um, oh um i'll burn up the reading like exactly yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean sure (laughs) (laughs) her attitude plays a lot of it too because even Mm -hmm. you know like when she's walking around as an fbi agent it's not that she's like ugly it's just more how unconcerned she is with like the feminine stuff so yeah it's really like when she's eating and you know like just 
she kind of just like has dude energy yeah and especially in the 2000s i could see you know that being like the stereotype of being like that's not attractive because right. i only like femininity let's talk about this because it is the 2000s they're going to be surface level about everything oh yeah and i think that there's a lot in this movie and just if you watch the trailer alone that would be come across as like canceled today <laughs> eh, i don't know about a lot i mean i think it's just yeah there's the you know this the, all the men in the fbi are definitely like piggish but also the movie doesn't really like it, it, it still frames them as being like the idiots and like wrong for thinking that mm -hmm. in a certain way well, I'm mostly speaking about what a woman is supposed to be. It might be because I'm influenced by an article I came across where they were like, miscongeniality is supposed to empower women and all this stuff, but it's actually degrading and anti-feminist. Anti oh, I'd be interesting to hear that, but I don't... <laughs> I'll listen to that point of view, but I don't know if I agree. I felt like the movie did an okay job, you know, because it is so easy with, uh, you know, certain top Like, when you're talking about feminism and stuff to be like, any women who do this is anti-feminist because it's bad mm -hmm. and this and that. But I don't know. I like to just go to the, the thing where, like, there are a million different ways to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And just because you're into one thing over another thing and, you know, doesn't necessarily make you a bad, you know, a bad feminist or anything like that. Right. So, I don't know. I thought, we'll get to it when we get to the end. But, like, I thought it rounded out a certain way where it kind of celebrated, like, hey, just because you're into looking good and putting on makeup doesn't necessarily make you a moron. You know what I mean? And, right. th and things like that. I guess we'll talk about it more towards the end. Yeah. Um, but in general, my opinion is just l let the movie be a movie. You know, <laughs> like yeah. we're having a good time. Yeah. That's it. And also, yeah, you gotta. <laughs> I, I really, I'm not a fan of like using the lens of the year you're in to go back and mm -hmm. like really scrutinize all stuff. You could be like, oh man, that wouldn't fly today. Like it's always funny, but you know, I, I think for 2000s there was way worse representations <laughs> of of girls in movies, and like right. even the fact that this had some female writers on it, all that. That's pretty, you know, that's something to, to give it a thumbs up for for 2000. Totally. This could have easily just been written by a bunch of dudes and just had, like, gratuitous shots of of women. Because even in the scenes when, like, the, the guys are, like, do dogging out over the girls, like, oh, yeah, look at all this great view we have. Like, none of those women are, like, overly sexualized, like, visually in those scenes. Mm -hmm. Like, because even I was thinking, I was like, you guys are fucking losers. These are just <laughs> girls wearing clothes like like there's nothing this is the same shit you would see if you were at any kind of like party you know right. like it's not it's not like you're getting like a bird's eye view of yeah of something you know so it's just like i don't know i'm, I'm sort of on, i'm on, on the same page as you yeah um a couple quick things before we jump into the plot i haven't mentioned rotten tomatoes in a while but i got pretty furious when i i didn't even mean to look at critic responses but i'm sorry Can it came I across my sure do you have uh, critics oh, and audience? Of course, yeah, I do. All right, so I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, I could, I could totally see this not being critically acclaimed. So I'm going to guess 47 critics, 68 audience. Wow, that is very close. Ooh, what is it? 41% critics. All right. 69% audience. I was going to say 69 too, and I changed that. I was like, ah, just in case. Uh, that's really close. Wow, yeah, yeah. I'm, I can, I can fucking guess that shit easy. You really can. I just think that the critics are mad savage when it comes to this movie. To like, be fair, though, I mean, this is a comedy and, like, comedies never really get, outside of, like, a handful, they never really get that well-reviewed. Um, why do critics exist? Can, can you be <laughs> Oh, damn. <laughs> you, went, you went deep. I thought you were going to be like, oh, wh why is it the comedy is looked at subjectively? No, I'm just kidding. Why do critics exist? Well, I just think that if you're going to, to your point, they've never really critiqued a comedy well. So, like, sh can can there be critics that criticize 
dramas and then ones that do comedies like can you just uh, find your what even, your niches to critique like i don't even know if that would solve it though because I, like i've said it before on this where just i think comedy is just too subjective mm. like there are times where people tell me like this movie is hysterical i was laughing all day and then i don't have the same sense of humor as them and i right. watch it i'm like eh. and then likewise sometimes i'll like to me there's no movie funnier than Shaun of the Dead. I find that movie so... I, I, I giggle just laughing, thinking about it. Right. There are plenty of people I showed it to, and they're just like, I don't really get what's going on here. You know what I mean? So it's... I don't know. It's just with comedy, it's like it's such like a base, like guttural. Like You either right. react or you don't. Whatever. I'm getting off topic I just here. think it's easier to be objective about dramas and stuff like you can really just look at it and be like oh that built up to that really well like they they seeded these storylines mm -hmm. the acting was very good but i don't know like i just go back to where like laughing is laughing you know what i mean there's a reason there's a thousand stand-up comedians out there and there are some i just don't find funny mm -hmm. even though they have a great audience and they have a good career and i'm just like yeah i'm just it's not gelling with me and and vice versa so maybe we should just critique comedies i guess but <laughs> I'm like I'm just talking about like on a professional level. <laughs> well, anyway, what do you think we're doing here? <laughs> <laughs> All right, episodes canceled. Oh, Masha God. doesn't want us to do comedy. All right, listen. But anyway, they basically were like Bullock is funny and charming, but she can't overcome a bad script. Oh, <laughs> I don't Ooh. even. I don't even want to look at you. I don't want to know what you think yet. <laughs> but despite the critical response, this movie was nominated for some awards. No, um, and Sandra ended up winning a Golden Globe for her role in this movie. Nice. And the second nomination was actually for Best Original Song. The song One in a Million, which is what the contestants dance to when they're in the St Statue of Liberty hats. Oh, really? You're one in a million. Yeah. Into I don't remember it at all. What? The only song I remember, I remember the other song when it's like, she's something in grace, <laughs> she's Miss United States. Okay, that was, yes, an original song randomly written by the writer's son, um, who I think was <laughs> seven years old. <laughs> and the hilarious thing about it is they actually commissioned songwriters to write a song for uh -huh. that moment. And I guess his son wrote one for fun, and that's the one they—that's the one they ended up picking. That's hilarious. <laughs> for this movie. Wow. Yeah, I can't even remember the other song. I remember the scene, but it's the song right. went in and out. Y'all, we're gonna put it in here, and don't worry, I'm gonna show it to Andy after this. But yeah, that song was written and produced by the Swedish songwriter, <laughs> which I think is actually makes sense because it's like very poppy and techno. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, this movie is based on Ellen DeGeneres because huh? Mark apparently was inspired. Wait, who's Mark? The writer. Oh. Um, he was apparently. <laughs> just, that'd be his full name. I said, oh, sorry. <laughs> Mark. Mark Lawrence. <laughs> Apparently, he was inspired to write this movie after seeing Ellen being taught how to walk in high heels at the Emmys. Okay. 
I don't know. So he was like, oh, you know, why don't we take a woman who's not like that traditional pretty lady or whatever too, and teach her were, how to. It was 2000, so they're too afraid to make her gay. They, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> they're like, how? No one's going <laughs> to. Can't sell this to the good Christian going community. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to hop into this film. Yeah, let's do it. So this movie opens on young Grace. Oh, yeah. Who we meet in the playground. <laughs> and I've got to admit, this is, again, one of those movies where I would just go to my favorite scene. So I usually start this movie out around <laughs> where she gets the makeover. Wow. I didn't realize how much movie occurred before that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this was like a long movie by by any means. But whenever we have a comedy that's over 90 minutes, I'm always surprised. So when I saw an hour 50, I was like, oh, wow, they really <laughs> take the time. But it didn't like feel long. It was just I was just surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. So we see young Grace out in the playground and she defends her crush from a bully yeah uh, what'd you think about this scene uh it was funny i mean i definitely knew like what we were gonna build up as soon as we saw it because i you know i knew the concept of the movie but i was surprised at like the level of the violence that they showed <laughs> like just the, even when she punched him in the face i felt like normally with movies like like with kids in this era you would frame it in a way where like you would see it from the kid's point of view but like it was almost like they used like stunt double kids here because <laughs> she was rocking these kids in the nose yeah she just it, the sound effect too it was pretty funny and then I did like uh, you know cause I'm, I'm always expecting kind of like the cheesy easy route so I thought you know after she saved that kid that we were just gonna flash forward to them maybe being older and then that was gonna be like the crush from her whole life mm. but then i like how they just like subverted that where just that kid immediately is like no i don't want you defending me and then she punches him too and like you know i thought, I thought that was funny yeah that yeah. part i didn't expect that she was gonna hit hit the boy she saved as well yeah I, and he deserved it too <laughs> yeah. what the hell what a jerk one thing I didn't know is, and we kind of got a glimpse of it when you watched the trailer, the trailer actually features a deleted scene. It's her talking to her dad, it looked like. Her who's talking not, to her dad. not in the movie at all. Exactly. Her dad was originally, it was played by Edward Herman. There was this whole scene where they were going to cover how her mom used to be a cop, and I think that was them visiting her grave. And, of course, the dad asks if she's a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I'm glad they cut it. Um, they really just cut it for time. Yeah. But I don't really think it was necessary. We get it. Yeah, I don't think they, between the opening scene and then litter, like they they lay it on thick that she's not a lady's lady. Exactly. Like you know, or the traditional you know concept of a lady. So yeah, I didn't think we needed another scene. But we do see that Grace is one of like three females we see at the FBI bureau. Yeah. Uh, FBI bureau. <laughs> the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Bureau. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know and she is i guess tr not really trying to be a man's man but she's sort of like feels comfortable around these guys it's not like she feels like an outsider because she's a woman but it's more like i don't know no i can see it where you know it, it's definitely her base personality but then she did choose a profession and a career that feeds off that kind of like dude energy that masculine energy yeah and so it's it could almost be looked at where it's like she's so uncomfortable with facing the fact that she's not necessarily a traditional woman mm -hmm. that she went somewhere where it's easy where it should be celebrated for not being that right so it, it kind of like lets her just like be comfortable in a sense where if she was in like a regular job office, then she might be expected to wear a dress or, or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I do get the general sense that like she is sort of accepted for who she is, though she's treated differently because of who she is at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's like a, this weird. It's a very Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. Like in that movie, they 
I mean, it helps that Jodie Foster is like short as all hell, mm-hmm. but like they always fr- they always made sure to cast the other dudes that worked around her as taller guys. Hmm. So in like every scene, like she literally looks like she's like smaller than everyone else. Oh wow! Where and then even though in that movie she's not a very feminine woman either, but it's like it's just, it's just like a constant reminder that like you're smaller, you're quote unquote weaker, you're mm-hmm. you're not up to par with these other dudes. So right. that, I was getting that vibe a little bit here, but then she would make up for it, you know, by talking trash, punch, giving people, you know, dead arms and shit like that. Exactly. Yeah. She's not afraid to to throw a punch yeah. for sure. Or even just like, you know, jib and jab with the boys and like make fun of, you know, like even this, you know, we're getting ahead of it. But when they're picking an agent to go in the field, like she's there with the guys, like making jokes and all that. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when we see Sandra Bullock's character as an adult, it's this random them undercover catching the Russian mafia doing something yeah. or whatever. Whatever. But the, t- <laughs> the takeaway here is she makes a bad call and she sort of gets punished for it. And that kicks off us seeing what her position is at the FBI, right? Like she's not really respected by her boss. Yeah. And I guess her peers as well. She doesn't follow the captain's orders and, and you know, puts them all in danger. Right. Because the the guy she's that they're trying to arrest starts choking in front of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was interesting that she wanted to save them, but not because she's like, oh, life is precious. It's more like she's such a like a rule follower and by the books and like believes in in like proper punishment for people that she's like, this guy choking to death is too good for him. Like, right. he, he needs to go see a jail cell and like really pay his toll for being a criminal. I thought that was an interesting thing. <laughs> so the FBI agent who plays opposite her, played by Benjamin Bratt, his name is. I remember his name perfectly. His name is Eric Matthews. Oh my God, his name is Eric Matthews. Because <laughs> I could not stop thinking of Boy Meets World every time they said it. I That's was like, hilarious. name him something. And it was the year 2000. Like, Boy Meets World is still on. Like, I was like, name him something else. I think somebody was a fan of Boy Meets World and was hoping nobody noticed. I was waiting for the Feeny call to come in. Feeny. Okay. <laughs> So Eric is really he's the like one the, he's agent. He's like the golden boy of the of the squad. Exactly. You know, yeah. Everyone likes him, and he also likes to follow the rules. And in the beginning, I can't, I couldn't really tell if whether they were going for like, I couldn't tell if the movie wanted us to know if he deserved it or not. Like, if he actually was a good agent, or maybe mm. he was someone who like took credit when other people did the work, or or you know maybe like you know slipped, cheated a little bit here and there. So I was interested. I was like, I couldn't tell if that guy was going to be like the foil or or like. <laughs> the actual best friend you know but yeah we're also introduced to the angry black police captain as, <laughs> as we do in, in every movie where there's police oh my god i know it's fbi but still it's pretty hilarious played by ernie hudson the great ernie mm-hmm. you, you know about ernie i don't what he's the black ghostbuster oh snap <laughs> wow i thought i watched ghostbusters no i know you didn't watch Ghostbusters. <laughs> no i definitely did i remember Don't. the scenario i, I guess think I they've proven watch. that when you think that you've seen a movie you have not seen that movie <sighs> okay you've never seen ghostbusters i have seen ghostbusters i just wasn't paying attention tell me anything about it <laughs> there, no. are, there are four of them <laughs> okay they have the suits yeah there's no uh, sigourney way. weaver's in it Listen, it's in New York. <laughs> There's a green glob at one point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you've seen All right, I'm going to stop there, but I'm going to go on record. And he's the only black guy. I'm going to go on record and say Masha's not seen it. And when we do it for this podcast, we'll be proof. Oh. You didn't know Willy Wonka was a musical and you claimed you saw it. <laughs> to be fair, there isn't music in every scene in Willy Wonka. What musical has music in every scene? 
Okay. There's not music I've never seen a funny girl. Oh my god. All right, let's move on. <laughs> that was a terrible rebuttal. <laughs> so you were excited to see Ernie. <laughs> yeah, Ernie Hudson's great. He's he's a pretty tough boss, but he's also like a little unfair. He's the angry black police captain. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> he doesn't cut Grace any slack. Well, to be fair, I mean, you're in the FBI and you can't not follow a direct order from your captain. Like I don't I don't know how unfair he was being. Like uh, I guess. He gave her the direct order, she didn't follow it, and then it got an agent to be shot and sent to the hospital yeah that guy would not have been you know most likely there would have been no harm to anybody happened if she didn't do that so i get it okay it's a pretty fair. high stakes job you can't have people i get it it's a movie so it's supposed to be like oh she she knows better because she's our main character but like in a real scenario do you really want your federal agencies to fly off the handle because they they think it's the right move it's mm, like yeah well one thing i do want to give credit to this movie for is that they actually shot in new york for these new york scenes new york slash new jersey oh really because you know i i don't know if you paid attention you usually call out when it's clearly not new york oh, yeah. um so obviously you didn't have to because they did take place but like her apartment i think was very realistic and then just her driving in the city to pick up Starbucks to like bring back to the bureau. Like yeah. it all was very like realistic, which I appreciated. So that, that scene, it's that whole scene's played as a joke, the Starbucks scene. Yes. You know, where she gets a call and she's like, I'm on it. And then she puts her siren on and drives around. Works as a joke. I almost think it hurts the movie from a character perspective. Mm. Cause like if we're supposed to believe how good of an like that she is a good agent and has the best intentions, like that's a I know it's just a joke and I'm probably thinking of it too hard, but that's a pretty big abuse of power to be throwing on your sirens and like claiming FBI for this and that and then just to go get coffee for everybody. So then it made me think we're like, oh, she's not like that serious about being an agent because she's willing to just abuse her power to go get coffee faster than hmm. That's interesting. I could be yeah, I don't know, it's not really it's a comedy. Like I do think it's it is setup. for the joke, but yeah. I also think it might have been a little bit of guilt for what had happened the night before. Yeah, so she wanted to get there pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think she just really wants to make it up to everyone somehow because of the guilt yeah. she has of getting someone shot. Also, man, Starbucks jokes from the 2000s, like, <laughs> they were just everywhere. Really? Yeah, I mean, that's what, not that Starbucks was around then, but, like, that's when it really started multiplying and you'd see them in every city. But I could also tell that this was totally product placement for Starbucks. Uh, Just the way they were like, like once they got all their coffee, because at first it's like they're making fun of like the soy mocha, like all the fucking you know fancy drinks people get. Yeah. But afterwards, just the way everybody was drinking it, and they were like, oh, that's really good. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that Starbucks paid a pretty penny for this. They did actually use real Starbucks employees, I, I read. That's another way you know that they paid for it. Mm. <laughs> the first time I heard of Starbucks was a Simpsons joke. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They were in like a shopping mall and like. It started off where, like, they would see, like, a Starbucks, like, on every corner. And then by the time the characters, like, leave the mall, it's just, like, everything's closed down and being turned into a Starbucks. Like, every single store in the mall. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that brings us to their next briefing where they are basically tracking a domestic terrorist known as the Citizen. Yeah. And they got a new clue. And what they've broken it down to is that the, the next Miss United States pageant is going to be targeted at the next event. And the captain assigns... Eric Matthews um, as lead for that assignment. Yep. So he's in charge of, you know, assembling his and team. And it's his first time. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he's feeling like a big shot, right? Um, I do love that he really just genuinely does not really know what to do. And this is where Gracie's like, oh, well, first, you know, you do this and you do that. Like, she's really just, like, spewing out what to do. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, he takes credit for it, yep. like, without even knowing that he's, like stepping over her yeah, toes yeah. you know what i mean and that's what i was saying where i wasn't sure i was like is he supposed to be like her rival or is he actually her yeah. friend you know i couldn't really tell what the, where we were going with that yet i actually think a lot of men are not really conscious when they do stuff like that <laughs> so i actually think this scene was pretty truthful and yeah. now that that stuff usually occurs in real life mm -hmm. you're like i don't know if i <laughs> no i do i <laughs> you don't do that boo <laughs> you needed reassurance but what we see is gracie really just trying to make her way back on to the good graces of her boss and also potentially get on this team yeah i mean she freaking solves the coded letter her on her own yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so clearly she's really good at her job what i love is this next scene where they cut to figuring out that they do need an fbi agent to go undercover for the the pageant and they're trying to figure out who they should tap to go undercover yep and they use this dress up sally website which is technology absurd <laughs> No way. There's no way that this existed in 2000. And even today, it's iffy where you can't just put like a picture of a fully clothed person and then have it like accurately show their body underneath. Yeah, I love the early days of the internet and movies because they were just like, yeah, you can do anything. It's the internet. Like, Oh, my God. Like, how would they know your figure underneath your clothes? Well, I'm like wondering, too. Like, I don't think they used the because he was like, thanks to the technology of the Dress Up Sally website. So did he use the technology from the site? You would arguably need photos of everybody in your bureau in their underwear already. Yeah, which is why. Why would they have that? Exactly. Because yeah. you couldn't accurately totally right. see what they would look like in a dress dress yeah i don't know <laughs> it's, no, it's it's nothing it's like literally it has nothing to do with anything but it's just so funny when you look back to be like what did you think yeah. the internet could do and also <laughs> if fbi i mean the fbi must have an hr department like that's completely <laughs> against the rules no regular employee should have access to that oh, even yeah. if they did have and, and with the creeps they got on this force like there's <laughs> someone's definitely sneaking in there and jerking off at night to like their agents in, in dresses and shit God. <laughs> yeah it's that guy who got everyone together first of all you don't even need that many people in the room to determine right it's like where's where this money going to like don't you guys have jobs <laughs> It turns into this whole fest. They've got popcorn. They've got everything. Oh, ridiculous. And of course, you know, they got to put the big boss in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I knew that joke was coming. Like, the he's standing right behind me, but... Yo, I did not know that while we were watching this movie, we were playing a secret game called How Many scenes can andy predict because <laughs> you'd be like oh she's gonna trip and fall yep. and then 10 seconds later she trip and fall watch a lot of comedies i don't know i can see it coming <laughs> you know it's, it's a movie for the masses it's not gonna like it's not a rest of development where they're trying to like tr not have you hear the joke you know it's yeah, like they're, they're yeah, putting yeah. in front of you after this scene you know they kind of figure out like oh gracie hart she's got a great bod and for the next few scenes, they're trying to convince her or Eric is trying to convince her to actually take on the, the job. Yeah. And I freaking love the jokes in the scene where he tries to con slightly convince her at the bar because these aren't 
funny through really funny jokes, but like when she's to the bartender, like, yo, give me a pint and it's a pint of ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Like, come that, on. I didn't see that. That, that one caught me off guard. <laughs> that joke was funny too because she's like, let me get a pint. And he's like, a whole one? And she was like, yeah, let's get crazy. And then I was like, who asked that when you want a, a beer? Like, who was, like, why would yeah. someone ask me, like, do you want a whole beer or a half beer? Yeah, so exactly. It, it was a funny joke. I like that one. Yeah, it was a good time. But I am going to sort of breeze over and just cut to the point where they do eventually convince her, you know, to take on this undercover role. And but what they need to do next is transform her into beauty pageant material in two days. Yeah, ridiculous. (laughs) In addition to getting the pageant on board to her taking on essentially kicking a girl out of the competition. Yeah. Don't they explain it with the New Jersey girl? Didn't something happen? She was in a porno film. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And William Shatner's character goes, oh, she that was her (laughs) you know can we talk about william shatner in this with candace burt virgin virgin yeah yeah i believe it's virgin i i just know her from murphy brown what's murphy brown a very famous show from the 90s and 80s i think 80s i think it bled into i think it was 80s into the 90s i can't remember oh cool she looks like a classic actress like she just seems like oh yeah she's in a lot of stuff but i think murphy brown is like her one of her most famous roles oh that's awesome yeah Candace, who plays Kathy Morningside, of yeah. course, she was a pageant girl herself back in the day. She was runner-up in her time. Yeah, and she's the one who's who's setting all this up. She's the one in charge of all the uh, exactly. the pageantry. Her partner Stan Fields, played by played by William Shatner. Yeah, especially in this era, William Shatner wasn't really showing up in movies anymore. I remember oh. him showing up in a lot of sitcoms and stuff as like a guest role. Uh huh. But I felt like his like movie career was kind of coming to an end. Aww. So it was kind of cool to see him in something. I. Th- feel like i don't really know william shatner's movie career uh, i guess i don't either i was just thinking because he starred in the first five star trek movies yeah. so i just, just like that's kind of what i meant oh okay okay um, yeah because i was like other than star trek i don't really know i mostly know him from star trek and then that famous twilight zone but he was uh i, I guess because he's even older now but i was surprised how like young and spry he was in this <laughs> movie like i know he's not that young but still like i guess i'm just used to older william shatner at this point so mm-hmm. i was like oh 2000s shatner was still moving of course he, he was bumping and he was coming in with all the jokes. This is pre-Priceline. <laughs> <laughs> What's Gracie's real name? Gracie Hart. Oh, her name was Gracie. Yes. Oh, okay. They just changed her last name. Yeah. Gracie Lou Freebush. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, for some reason, I, I thought they gave her a whole new name. When Eric is still trying to convince her and they basically like like fight on the mat. What did you think of that scene like where they, they're like fighting and, and arguing over whether or not they should do it? Oh, I, I mean, it's like a... Uh, okay scene for me i am impressed by the fact that they like decided to do like a fight scene on their own like there were no stunt doubles used in that yeah i noticed yeah yeah so it was fine i don't have it doesn't really have a special place in my heart if that's (laughs) what you're asking i just thought in the in the in the grand scheme of you talking about like there's certain things this movie that are you know wouldn't fly anymore and stuff like that because it's a lot of like he grabs her ass like five six times in that scene yeah and all that I, I mean, I don't agree with the article that is stating that. Yeah. I do think that it's pretty well established that they sort of have that kind of relationship. It's not like she doesn't want to be. It would be one thing if, like, every guy in the bureau was doing that to her. Yeah. But it's Eric, and they seem to have that sort of relationship, so I'm not really bothered by that. A little wor- bothered by the fact that other agents are betting on who's going to win and enjoying watching them fight like <laughs> yeah, that seriously and everyone like huddles around them to watch the fight it seems like a <laughs> fbi doesn't get a lot done if you go if you just go by this movie exactly. it's a lot of fucking around and they're all doing the same thing at the same time it's like they have like 
it kind of reminds me of school. Like everyone has gym periods yeah, at the exactly. same time. <laughs> like what is going on here? <laughs> but did anything stick out for you? No, not really. Uh, it was mostly just like the, like, I, I was just curious what you thought, mainly uh, with all the ass grabbing. Again, if it were everyone doing that to her, I'd be like, yeah, this movie's a little rapey. <laughs> um, but I do love the humor in the scene where they're basically asking William Shatner and Candace Bergen, like, can our one of our agents infiltrate your competition? And can you guarantee that she makes it to the top five? Yeah. Because they need access to basically every area of the stage or whatever um, for this potential bombing, right? And she, Morningside, is actually the one that gets them in touch with Victor Melling, Michael who is Kane. played by Michael Caine. Classic. Michael Caine. First of all, I didn't even know this, but they had to rewrite that whole role for him. Really? I think they made that character originally like super fluffy, like a little more playing off him being gay, but like not in like a funny, clever way. Yeah. So Michael Caine had them rewrite the role for him in order for him to do it. Like he wouldn't accept it otherwise. I mean, he's a classy actor. He really is. He was actually, it's a really surprised me. I'm like, like I understand William Shatner, like, you know, and even Kenneth Virgin, <laughs> like, but I was just like, damn, they got Michael Caine. And his wife actually was a pageant girl. So I think that he got a lot of guidelines from her in like what a person in his role would be doing, looking out for how how they would sort of supervise their pageant girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, they're introduced to to Michael Caine's character, and they have to literally convince him to take it on because when they go out to lunch, she's just like eating steak with her mouth open. Freaking Eric Matthews even ditches on the lunch date because he feels Michael Caine's character coming on to him. Yeah, yeah. This is the era where guys were going like, no homo, right? Yeah, like panic. the to- <laughs> So it all makes sense if, there. Yeah, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't even be in a scenario where you might be perceived as gay, otherwise it's over. Like, you're <laughs> gay in the eyes of everyone else. I clearly remember that. Guys just punching each other, no homo. Like, <laughs> I know. Guys... <laughs> Especially do yeah. Growing up being a boy during this era was the worst. Like I couldn't. I feel so bad for the kids who were like gay and not talking about it because we were just making making fun of everybody constantly, calling each other gay and stuff like that. This is the stupidest shit of all time. But I still remember when I was in sixth grade, boys would go around and they would do the gay test, which is oh, you'd no. walk up to another guy and like find a way to like put your hand on like on them, like on their shoulder or their back or something. Mm-hmm. And and then the the idea was. However many seconds it took them to realize your hand was on them. So like say say I did it and then someone didn't notice and I'd start counting and they, they didn't notice till 12 seconds. They'd go, hey, get your hand off me. You'd go, oh, you're 12% gay because it took you 12 Are you seconds. serious? And like, but the, it's just like literally the stupidest shit of all time. <laughs> and then, you know, so the goal is like to try and do it where they don't notice. And then you'd be like, they're 80% gay. And like, even at that age, like I, I, didn't even, I even remember like, <laughs> I didn't do it and not because I was like woke or whatever, but like, like literally I just remember like, so what if it takes 120 seconds? Are you over a hundred percent gay? <laughs> like even that, I was just like, this math doesn't work out guys. Oh my God. I don't think, I think this test needs a couple of uh, more proofs to, to find out what's going on here. Andy, you've been a, an adult since like the age of 10. <laughs> I just <laughs> was like, Hey, I don't have any problem with the test. Uh, you know, I'm 12 too. I'm stupid, but come on, let's, let's, let's check our numbers here. <laughs> like, let's check. Yeah, so again, wow. it wasn't like me being like, that's wrong, like because of like morality, but more like that's wrong logistically. <laughs> <laughs> that was my problem. 
No, I was oh, just as stupid. I called everything gay. If I didn't like something, it was gay. You know, this movie's gay. You turn it off. Like, I was I was there doing that, too. So uh, I think that's why I didn't have that many guy friends when I was younger. Because everything was gay? Yeah. <laughs> and just, like, a lot of physical, like, altercations. I just yeah. didn't want any part of it. But anyway. <laughs> Do you remember that uh, Chelsea Pretty joke from her stand-up where she was, like, making fun of dudes who call everything, like, gay? And it's like, why do you even like girls? Like, liking girls is gay. They're like, we're soft. We like pink. We smell like flowers. <laughs> like, dude, suck a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you want to be around us? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I love that joke. But all that said, I think Michael Caine plays a f- fabulous gay man in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and he does not want to take Gracie Gracie on, but he does ultimately. And I love his dark the dark past that they gave this character too. Because yeah. he used to be like the most sought out I don't even know what you call someone in his role, but basically, you know, I guess your manager? I, yeah. I, I completely missed yeah. what that was called. Makeover but. man, I don't know. <laughs> but basically the person who guides you through your pageant. They pick your dress, they coach you. I guess a coach yeah, essentially. Pageant coach. Yeah, only one of his girls has ever lost the competition yep. or didn't place first. And the the reason why he's sort of looked down upon nowadays is because the last girl he managed hated his coaching style and like gave him a bad name. Yeah. So I guess this is like his chance to come back is or at least that's how his character saw it. Yeah, I mean, you could basically tell like he only takes this because he's kind of almost backed into a corner where he's just like, I, they're not asking me to do anything else. So this is like a chance to get back into this world. Yeah. And even like Candace Bergen like treats him like shit. Like later she makes him like carry the bags and stuff yeah. like that. Once he takes on the role, he sort of starts coaching her immediately. <laughs> like you start with the, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just walking through the streets of New York, practicing how to walk. Yeah, they have the uh, Dustin Hoffman reference that I'm walking here. Uh-huh. I'm gliding here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew you'd appreciate that one. <laughs> and we sort of go straight into this getting into the makeover bit. One of my favorite parts of the movie it was yeah i i, th- I thought they they for like a, one of like one of those montages i thought they did it pretty like cleverly where i don't know if you read it this way but the way i was reading it but the the way it was cut and the music they chose it was basically it looked and felt like one of those like military like loading up to go into action scenes yes. where like you would see everyone grabbing their guns and putting on their vests and like putting on badass stuff but it was all like the beauty regiment so i thought that was like a funny juxtaposition because it was like her personality but put into this world absolutely that was a fun way of using like movie language to help build the character in the world totally i even loved over the intercom like announcing when the waxing would take place or something yeah that that was pretty funny (laughs) like guys (laughs) so good and of course the freaking line that always makes me laugh is you know she's getting highlights in her hair so she has the foil and she's like I'm getting HBO. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, I, got, I got so much metal in my head. I think I'm getting HBO. <laughs> but yo, when this scene, this scene starts the most unbelievable aspect of this whole movie. It's where they're eating these fucking big hoagies, and then you oh. know she goes to eat one, and Michael King gives her celery because you know she's not allowed to eat fatty stuff anymore. And then to like kind of taunt her, Eric Matthews is eating a hoagie and a powdered donut, and then that kind of starts the rest of the movie of him just eating junk food every chance he gets. <laughs> so and this guy is way too fit. For me to believe that that's how he eats that's on a normal wh- basis. That's why we see him working out the rest of the movie. I He's guess, like doing laps like, in the pool. Man, this guy was just him. like eating Milky Ways like in the middle of the day for no reason and shit. And I'm just like, yo, there's no way. Because <laughs> it wasn't even like he was like, oh, a skinny guy. Like this dude was like 
cut. We don't see him with his clothes off, but like you can even just tell he's cut underneath that shit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, yeah, you're not, you're not eating Milky Ways on the regular, dude. <laughs> <laughs> or like a powdered donut. Like, oh my god. I know. Also, like this is jumping ahead, but it's not important to the plot. For a pageant where every what everyone can eat is so important. They put out a lot of donuts. Because in almost every scene, she's going to a, a crafty table to reach for donuts. Yeah. And I was just like, how many donuts are they putting out for these women who aren't supposed to be eating donuts? Like, you would think it would be like a hummus spread with carrots. But I like, know, was, I know. I mean, I get it. It's for the joke of her always trying to get a donut and then someone stopping her. But uh, I was just like, How oh. did she stay fit this entire time? Well, because it only was like two fucking days. No, I know, but like even before this, she oh. was eating pints at the bar, pints of ice cream. Sandra Bullock, what are you doing? <laughs> this movie has probably the best slow mo walk of all time. Sandra Bullock in that dress. Oh, after the makeover, freaking done. amazing dress. Yeah. yeah, she looks so good. But of course, Andy, you predicted this fall. I mean, it was in all the trailers. I even guess. even without that, though. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. How could it, uh, it was the easiest prediction of all time. Classic slip and fall. And of course, we, we're we going straight to the brunch. This is, she's going straight into Miss Pageant World, yeah. Miss Beauty Pageant we, World. We, she, yeah, she gets on the bus, and that's where we meet Miss Rhode Island and the rest of, like, well, the other five girls we get to know because obviously they're not going to have 50 main characters. <laughs> we're not going to show all 50 states yeah, that's <laughs> represented here. I think the states are like New York, Texas, Hawaii. California yeah. and Rhode Island. I think those are the, the ones that they highlight in New York. Yeah, you said New York. Oh, I did. Oh, great. <laughs> um, Freaking Miss Rhode Island. I love her so <laughs> I literally wrote, I'm like, much. this girl is very similar to Masha. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not, I mean, just in the sense of, like, the friendship and just being, like, everything is so nice and, and I love, like, she was just so, like, into being nice and kind and, I don't know, it just it was so funny where I'm like, is that just what Rhode Island breeds? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh that's so sweet oh. but also like you're, you're a pretty like diligent person especially like you know with work and stuff like you like to do your research and and kind of like make sure everything's good so when she was like oh i already memorized all 50 girls names and their and their photos you know like not that you would do that go that far but i could yeah. so see you like doing your homework before you showed up <laughs> as opposed to just like winging it yeah so, yeah. yeah and i love the this is where we hear the the song you were mentioning before kathy morningside sort of rallies the girls and she's like it's time for a song yeah. You know the one I mean. And yeah, they're all aware of the song except except for Sandy. Yeah, this is a great song. Written by a seven year old? What the what is he doing now? I should have looked that up. <laughs> yeah. So going off from here, since we're kicking off, you know, obviously there's a lot of funny moments and comedy moments that are great in this movie or yeah. that I think are great personally, but I'd love to sort of just go through it real quick because I don't want to go plot by plot, For obviously. Sure. Um, but what stuck out to you now that we're in the competition? I mean, yeah, I agree. So yeah, we do get just a pretty much a handful of different scenarios where we could play off the comedy of Sandra Bullock not fitting in with the other girls. Right. You know, even the little things like her eating her bagel with schmear and like <laughs> no one else is grabbing the bagels. But again, why serve bagels? Like if, <laughs> if you're going to be in a room where a bunch of everyone's so worried about their figure and they're not allowed to eat stuff... Bagel is one of the fattiest things you could eat for breakfast. Yeah. So I'm like, why even serve it? I know. Um, but I thought I thought it was funny with the earpiece, you know, where the earpiece goes off in her ear and she yells Jesus Christ and then she plays off the, the way everyone loves Christians and these kind of things. So then it goes right into praying. I also love the technology that's being used again in this movie where there's a camera that has amazing, you know, quality. Amazing that's quality. That's in the pin. And it's wireless. <laughs> it's invisible. It's wireless. Apparently doesn't require any kind of battery pack. I don't, or I, audio. Where's yeah, the audio yeah, coming from? Yeah, where's the audio coming from? <laughs> like, just because I, I work in production, like, 
wireless video is, is has gotten great, but it's still a bit of a nightmare. Like it takes a lot of setup to get wireless video going, and you got to spend. I mean, I, let's just assume they have all the money in the world, but yeah, you got to still spend a lot of money to get something that can transfer that far through walls. Like, like walls are still a problem. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> we, we have we have devices that, that can go through it, but those are usually the higher-end models and still not, like, across town usually. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I thought that was just... <laughs> but that's, like, whatever. I mean, anything that has to do with, like, FBI, any movies like that, they always end up having technology that's impossible. Yeah. Gracie, you know, she basically is not getting any sleep for the rest of this movie yeah. because during the day, she's doing all of the pageant activities and then at night, she's either being befriended by miss rhode island who comes in with non-fat hot chocolate yeah and then has to go straight to training training her talent her walk getting fitted for the next day's activity exactly. so it's kind of a, i know nobody can run on an hour of sleep for that long <laughs> like yeah, yeah so we're kind of you know not paying attention to that but it's pretty fun yeah i thought also we were gonna have more of a like villainous rival role from Miss Hawaii after that first oh. scene where she's like mad competitive and, and like mean to the other girls. Mm-hmm. I feel like they didn't run with that too much. Like she's mad when she doesn't win by the end, but you know, I thought maybe she would be more of like, you know, I suspect that she's not one of us or something like that. I was really surprised mm. that the movie didn't go that route more. So many of these movies where somebody goes undercover like this, they always have to have the scene where it's like, you lied to us the whole time, you know? And oh, like, yeah. I was kind of like relieved that they didn't do that because I'm just sick of seeing that storyline. And then, but then in the end, you find out, no, but she still meant well, so let's be friends. Like, yeah. Like, we didn't do that where I thought maybe she would start talking to the other girls and being like, I feel like Gracie's not really one of us. I saw her you know, eat some steak with her hands or some shit like that. Totally. I think that they really played down the cattiness, um, which they totally could have played up. Like, I think Hawaii was sort of, like, alluding to that. Yeah, that first scene. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I think these girls just are genuinely, like, even though it's a competition, do become friends. Oh, yeah. That would have been just more annoying having to go through those motions. Because I know by the end, they're going to be friends, so then now I just have to sit there and... For the sake of the, for the sake of them feeling like they have a better plot to be like now they're mad at each other but now they're not you mm-hmm. know so yeah. I thought that was pretty cool you know obviously when Sandra Bullock is going to do this training Eric Matthews is <laughs> I can't not say Eric Matthews <laughs> I mean it's his name <laughs> I know but like I'm you know saying it because of Boy Meets World you know. <laughs> Throughout, you know, he's starting to develop a little crush on Gracie. Mm-hmm. And that really signals Gracie to be like, do her famous, you want to love me. Yeah. You want to hug me. What I didn't know is that Sandra Bullock was inspired by Eddie Murphy to do that. Like, I she... got some ice cream. <laughs> yep. Classic. I, I think she did her comedy research for this movie. Like she really wanted to like play up the comedy. Yeah. That's Which I really appreciated. This is totally off topic, but you brought up Eddie Murphy. You know, we recent, somewhat recently watched Coming to America 2, which mm-hmm. was eh. But <laughs> the, honestly, the funniest part in that movie was the the outtakes in the end when the guy was playing his son, you know, after he steals the lion's whiskers and he's like, I got my whiskers. Aww. And then Eddie just breaks character and goes, hey, that's mine. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, you're doing my thing. <laughs> so I thought that was the funniest <laughs> part was an outtake that wasn't in the script. Aww. That's hilarious. I, I didn't. Until you said it, I didn't put it together, but as soon as you were like, she's channeling Eddie Murphy, I, I thought immediately of the ice cream bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love the ice cream bit. It's from Delirious, which is the one that you couldn't get into because of all the, the first 20 minutes of him bashing oh, gay people. yeah. But after that, the family reunion stuff and getting ice cream as a kid, oh, it's timeless. <laughs> 
Let's just watch it again and skip the beginning. <laughs> All right, it's hilarious. I'm done. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss me? You want to hug Look, I think me. McDonald is more feminine. I'd you rather kiss him. You want to love me? You want to hug me? I have some ice cream. I have some ice cream. I have some ice cream. And I'm gonna eat it all. I'm gonna eat it all. You want to talk about the Alamo scene? This is basically the preliminary competition where the girls are Doing performing their talents. Their talents. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't get it. Why did they do their talents twice? Because they do their talents again at the end. The top 10 do their talents. But it's the same talents. Yeah, but the preliminary is when they get judged. So they're actually getting scored. Oh, like all 50 I, girls are getting scored here. So the second time it's more like to make the show more of a show. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not necessarily them getting graded at that point. No, I think it's... I think they're getting graded again, but like pitted against a smaller group. Yeah. With new judges, because those judges weren't there in the. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, why twice? Like, but you know, also, like, like their their performances are changed up a little bit too the second time around. Eh, only one is, but that's only because Sandra gives her the cool fire sticks. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sandra's is different because they drink her water. It, you're so angry. You're like, why did they do it twice? I didn't want to see it twice. <laughs> it sucked the first time. No, I just, I was just thinking like if it was a real competition, like <laughs> why just the same thing again if you already judged them yeah. on it once? Yeah. I also don't think this one was televised. I think this was ma- only, mostly for the people. But then why did they have all that sweet footage of her diving off the stage and everything? Oh. Lighting a cigarette. I don't know. Okay, you're poking <laughs> too many holes in this, Andy. <laughs> hey, you put it in front of me. <sighs> okay, let's talk about this. <laughs> I'm sorry they made you watch performances yeah. twice. Yeah, but this was funny too because it also, I felt like it was also kind of making fun of the talent portion of these because like some of these girls' talents were very, like one girl was like making balloon animals, but like <laughs> barely. Like she just tied like the balloons together a little bit. Uh, uh. <laughs> so it was kind of like making fun of it. But you see some classic talents, people singing. The opera girl was kind of funny. I kind of wish Miss New York had a talent. She was like the the hip one. Yeah, <laughs> the hip one. I feel like it would have been like rapping or something. They would have <laughs> given her something like basic like that. Probably. And then you've got Gracie, who what, I don't even know what you call that with the glasses. Uh, I think it's just like playing water glasses. Oh, all right. I don't know. But yeah, it's that thing where you take the water and make them make noises i don't know i've never seen it done in real life i've only ever seen it in movies now i was gonna ask you where where you've seen that for the first time because i've only ever seen it in this and then i was like whoa you can do that with glasses and then i did it once oh really yeah i don't even aware but i've I've seen it in in pop culture for sure i don't know i can't think of an example though but it wasn't my first time seeing that oh okay okay yeah this is really the first time we sort of get deja vu from the first scene where we see gracie sort of mess up yeah and again doesn't follow direct orders exactly which i'm glad was followed up on because the movie made such a big deal about her not following orders the first time and the Mm. punishment that i actually wrote down like right after it happened i'm like if we don't follow up on this i'm gonna be mad at the movie Mm. she sees a guy with a gun she thinks he's going for it they tell her to stand down but she dies off the stage anyway to stop him yeah. turns out the guy was just like a cigarette and he only had a gun because everyone in texas has guns yep <laughs> my florist has a gun <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny and then that leads to them saying that they're like ernie hudson's actually coming down there mm-hmm. which he didn't want to do so I, I did like that where i was like all right at least they're keeping track of the plot they established where exactly you know like she already got put on probation once for not following orders so i was like if they just brush over this <laughs> i'm gonna be pretty upset and of course this sort of like puts bad press on the pageant a little bit 
which Kathy's like very furious about. Yeah. And this is sort of the first time we see sort of like the darker side of her character. She's very passionate about her scholarship program. Yeah. <laughs> like she- very passionate. And basically threatens Gracie like if you ever like do anything like that again, like I will murder you. Like straight up threatening an FBI agent. Isn't <laughs> that against the law? <laughs> I was watching it last night. I was like, no way that's legal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she literally said, I will kill you. Yeah, like if you're if you're also trying to like, you know, make it seem like you're you're like a happy go lucky person who's doing this for the right reasons, you probably shouldn't be putting your cards out that you know, maybe you're not afraid to get violent. Exactly. <laughs> We also at some point here, I don't remember exactly where, but we see a mysterious figure put a crown on a mannequin and kind of like arm a bomb on it and blow up the mannequin, which gives you the idea of what the plan is for the hit at the the finals. I think the next thing that really happens is they sort of get a lead on who the citizen might be. Yeah. And they eventually track, track it back to Miss Rhode Island. And right before they find this out, we're at the part of the competition where they're, the contestants are being asked questions, and this is where the iconic... Describe your perfect date. That's a tough one. <laughs> I'd have to say April 25th, because it's not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I also just let the world peace line really made me laugh. Oh. Where everyone, every every single girl says that they wish for world peace, and then Grace gives a real answer, and then no one gives a shit. She goes, and world peace, and they're like, aww. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't give a shit what they actually think. I, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all a script. It's so sad. <laughs> also, world peace. What the fuck does that even mean? Like, how do you, you know? Who knows? I wonder if people are still using that answer. I honestly, I used to watch the pageants, like, back in the day. Uh-huh. The last time I even, like, looked at a clip of a pageant, was when Steve Harvey messed up who the winner was and that went viral. Remember that a couple years ago? I think so. (laughs) He was like, and the winner is... And he, like, named a whole other country. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, I messed up. My bad. <laughs> it's on the papers. I actually, I, I don't really remember this. <laughs> that sounds hilarious, though. Oh, my God. What? Yeah, people messing up at, like, the awards is hilarious. <laughs> like, John Travolta not being able to say, uh, what's her name's Indina name? Indina Menzel. Yeah. Oh, God. Adele Mazima. Whatever the <laughs> hell he says. <laughs> he definitely calls her Adele. <laughs> How do you do it? It's written on the paper. Oh, my God. Here to perform the Oscar-nominated, gorgeously empowering song, Let It Go, from the Oscar-winning animated movie, Frozen, please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazeen. So, of course, Cheryl realizes how sort of dumb her answer was after the facts. Yeah. But because she's sort of the lead suspect in being the citizen, yeah, Eric is really... like... So, what was that? Like, she did... She was in a protest in college. I didn't really track what the hell was going on I here. think recently, before the competition, she she was doing, like, an anti-fur rally. Uh-huh. And she, like, had paint or whatever and was like... I don't know. They didn't really go into it. Yeah. It was kind of weird. And I'm like, this is your lead suspect? <laughs> All right. But Eric's like, yeah, can you have, like, a girl talk with her? Get on the inside? And I, I really like the approach that Gracie took here. The, the beer and pizza route? Yeah. Yeah. So they have beer and pizza, right? And then the group of ladies go to a club. Yeah, it was like a hard cut to that club. I was like, was there an in-between scene that they cut out of this movie? <laughs> well, she goes, I think we'll need more pizza. So yeah. I guess the the club serves pizza? Uh, 
it was just it was such a weird club like it was like cause they had all that like paint and shit everywhere like the like uh and the drums glow in the dark paint with the black lights and everything so that's why i was just like how did how did you take one step from hey let's have some pizza and beer and chat to like get to that club you know yeah i will say this is the coolest club ever i've always wanted to go to a club like this i've never seen shots served in test tubes or whatever the fuck yeah that was. isn't that so cool with the black paint oh i want to go there take me <laughs> <laughs> it's the coolest club take me. i think if they ever do like an event for like celebrating the anniversary of this they should just have one big party like this like in that club I would enjoy it very much. Well, the, the 20th anniversary would have been 2020, right? In COVID, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Maybe damn. it's 25th. Yeah, 25th, for 20, sure. 2025. What did you think about this one-on-one with Cheryl and Gracie? It was interesting. It was just kind of what we alluded to earlier about... Was this what you were talking about with the sexual assault stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah, where it gives it that interesting moment where Gracie's trying to find out if she's done any crimes, and then... You know, she says that she stole panties when she was a kid because her mom didn't want her to do sexy stuff. <laughs> so having red panties was out of the question. Um, They're the devil's panties. Yeah, the devil. <laughs> I will say, I now that I, I think of it, I do relate to Cheryl so much. I know. <laughs> My notes say, Masha's the Rhode Island girl. <laughs> Growing up, you know, girls obviously like shop together. Yeah. And I would always like go to the mall or whatever. And like if we'd pass by the underwear section, you know, a friend might be like, oh, a thong. Like, why don't you buy it? And I'd be like, in my head, my mom thinks those are the devil's panties. Uh- like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> so totally TMI for this podcast. But Cheryl's pretty relatable to me. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so the movie does kind of try to tackle that. Don't be silent if you have any sexual, uh, if something happened, harassment or even worse. Yeah. You know, because again, we don't even get the details. She just said the guy attacked her like it was like a college professor well yes that's a good message to take it did come a little out of left field and then the movie doesn't really follow up on it so i don't know i don't really know how i feel about it like in this story well i do think they follow up on it it's just a little i mean the way that they follow up on it is i think that's what inspires sandra bullock's character to teach women how to defend themselves yeah 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 that's true that's true that's true yeah because she does try to do it in the club but cheryl of course Got too way too drunk. I guess actually, no, I take back what I said too, because it is after this scene, like it's not she does create more of a friendship with these girls, but she does finally get passionate about this assignment and about protecting these girls because she mm. realizes that like they might not be equipped to protect themselves. Mm. And, you know, so when when she found out that someone as like nice and, and good as Miss Rhode Island could have something horrible like that happen. Yeah. She almost like puts herself in the role of like they're like like a motherly protector figure for these girls mm-hmm. where she's like i'm not you know they're they're too nice and too good to to be put in danger so yeah, yeah. never mind i take back it doesn't make sense story-wise. and finally she's able to help people that won't be mean to her if she helps them exactly. <laughs> you know like like that dumb jerk when she was a kid yeah but of course when she as soon as she starts to care that's when the boss calls everything off yeah. So all the agents move out, you know, they found the citizen, which it's revealed that the real threat to the pageant is still on the loose. And there are two villainous folks working behind the scenes to make sure that it ends in an explosion. Mm-hmm. But why don't we talk about that in the spoiler section? Were you expecting it to be... Harry and Kathy? Not Harry, just because he was such a nothing character. I was not even really thinking about him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I kind of assumed it. Just because the movie tries to frame it where it might be William Shatner. 
Mm because you find that earlier that he's getting fired after this year and all that. But I just know the way these kind of like whodunit movies work is that the person that they make it seem the most obvious isn't going to be the person. Right. So just by elimination, I assumed it was her. And then, yeah, we find out, we as the audience find out before the characters in the movie do. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a little bit more fun if we didn't find out until the very end when like Eric Matthews and what's her name find out? Gracie, Gracie. find out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think it would have been cooler if, if they didn't like show their cards so early. But, you know, it's not really a that big. It's not really a mystery movie. So Yeah. Well, I think they might have done it for the humor of it all because it is pretty funny to see the chemistry between the mother and son there. Yeah. Don't lurk in the dark. Your father used to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How creepy was your husband? <laughs> I recognize this 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 guy the guy who plays her son, but I couldn't think of from where. But he's definitely a good character actor. Has been in some stuff. And I might have called him Ernie. His name is in the movie Frank. Oh. Steve Monroe. He is a stand-up comedian. Oh, is he really? And practicing psychotherapist. Oh, I remember. He's uh, he's on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh. He's Paula, the best friend. That's her husband. Is that oh, guy? Oh snap! Oh my god! Yeah, because he's he's not in like every episode, but he's in it throughout the whole show. Yeah. So whenever we see their family, yeah, that's why I knew that guy. But yeah, he plays her son, and he is quite a creep throughout the entire movie. Too. <laughs> yeah, like, for real preying on these ladies i hate. <laughs> I mean they him. call him a pervert multiple times but i guess their extravagant plan is to put a the tiniest bomb on earth in the crown <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we already saw that earlier when they tested it on the yeah, mannequin yeah, we just yeah. didn't know who was doing it but like I, the motive behind it is they're firing her as well because she's like too old yeah so she was like i'll give them something to talk about like you won't be able to fire me i didn't really get the oh, logic it didn't make there any sense <laughs> I, I was hoping you would have an answer, but clearly I don't think you do. No. But yeah, it's like, I thought maybe it was like because she never got first place, so she wanted to kill the person who was in first place. I just think there was like, a little bit of that, too. Like, these girls who went suck or something, but I don't know. I don't think there's really a logical answer there. Yeah, also, also, yeah, I thought maybe she would have worked a little harder to not have Gracie show up in the thing. I feel like she would have tried to put up more roadblocks of, like, why she wouldn't advance an FBI agent to the finals and all mm. that. You know, like, like I know they were in the beginning they didn't want to play their cards that she was the bad guy but like i was just like why are you giving this much access to the fbi if you have a plan that's not that good <laughs> i think at the time they weren't really worried because they could always put it on someone could they have though i feel <sighs> like they were like like even when the when the son takes the crown to go put the bomb in there's like a lot of people who see him as the last person who had the crown and they remember it too because they say like oh i don't have the crown because pervert took it i don't remember his name <laughs> to go to go have it polished so i just feel like you're, you're just a couple of questions away <laughs> of being like well the crown blew up on this person's head let's go talk to the girl whose job it is to carry it and she goes well i actually didn't have it this guy had it i just feel like it's easy <laughs> i just feel like it wasn't well the fbi didn't figure that out Andy. i feel like it, whether or not it was stopped she still would have been caught pretty quickly afterwards. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, once the bad guys are finally revealed and Sandra Bullock has no more FBI support, she basically chooses to stay behind and protect the girls on her own. Yeah. As a private citizen. Yeah, that comes, you know, from that friendship scene. But then also she kind of has like a little heart to heart with Michael Caine when she she's like ready to quit and hates doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of puts it as in like, 
yeah, you're here as an FBI agent, but like you clearly don't have any self-respect, you know? Mm -hmm. And so as, as stupid as you think this is, like this could actually teach you to like have some pride in yourself. Yeah. And not just in like your looks, but just like in life. You know what I mean? Like she always just looked at herself as like not good enough to be doing this. And he's mm -hmm. just like, I think you can, you know, so I thought that was pretty, pretty yeah. good. I think it could just help that it's Michael Caine doing it. And he's such like, a good actor oh. that like. Yeah, it's very, it's a very heartfelt moment. And what I love too is that she has to go through this on her own, but in reality, she isn't on her own. Like, she's crying. She doesn't know how to put makeup on. And then all these girls come together and, like, help her get up, get ready for yeah. the competition. Like, that's just so nice to show how women... Women supporting women in the middle of a competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, I freaking love that moment, too. It's so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> One thing I didn't know is that Sandra Bullock really fought... As much, like, as pretty as she is and all that, she really fought for, like, the swimsuit scene. Sorry, the, I think the swimsuit scene happened way earlier oh, in, the, in the film. Yeah, but just, like, in general, like, she didn't want a swimsuit scene in this movie at all. Like, she didn't want to do it. She tried her best to get rid of it. But ultimately, they kept it in because they're, like, it's literally part of, like, people are expecting that to be part of this competition. Yeah. Like, you can't graze over that you know but even that that's where that scene was kind of reinforces what i was kind of the point i was making earlier where i don't think whatever this article thinks this movie is bad for women and all that mm -hmm. like that scene could have been shot very gratuitously but hey most of the swimsuits were pretty modest even like sandra bullock's like mm -hmm. yeah she was in like the bikini top but yeah. but like even the bottom like had it wasn't just like it was a little more covered up than you would probably expect in a, in a competition like this yeah and then a lot of the other women were wearing one pieces and so like if this was just like a movie all written by dudes and made by dudes i could see like the camera ogling on different body parts but like it really didn't do that mm -hmm. at all so yeah i didn't really i didn't really think that the la movie language was being like gross in that sense yeah and and then when the characters were the joke was always kind of like these guys are, are pigs or, you know, eventually Eric Matthews, once he starts falling for Gracie, like anytime those guys start ogling, he's like, ah, let's cut it out, guys. Like show her some respect and all that shit. Absolutely. Yeah. But when we get to the final moments of this competition, New Jersey makes it to the final five on her own by genuinely being herself, which sort of goes back to Michael Caine's point of you could win this competition yeah. by being yourself. There are two talents that I want to just get your pov on of course we have miss rhode island doing her fiery batons yeah pretty cool right yeah pretty cool all right <laughs> and the famous sing talent which gracie has to do because all the women drink her water backstage <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i didn't know this but sing is an actual self-defense technique in reality it's groin nose uh but in the movie, they changed it to nose groin. Well, groin's kind of like the last joke because, you know, it's like someone get hit in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, my balls, you know. I didn't know it was an actual, like, defense technique. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. It's been in the back of my head since I watched this movie That's for hilarious. the first time. And again, to go with the planting the seeds, that is how she gets out of the situation in the beginning of the movie when the, you know, mm. the bad guy has the, has the knife to her throat and she saves herself by doing that exact move yeah she doesn't announce it but if you but like it's the exact same move i do want to mention though when they announce who the top five is one of the states that don't make it to the final round is miss new york uh-huh remember she's the one who shouts out that you <laughs> i know, remember <laughs> <laughs> if i'm a lesbian and made it this far you can too yeah yeah and she shouts out to a lady in the audience like i love you yeah and there's a lady who shouts back 
What I did learn is that the original Miss New Jersey, they there was a scene that they cut where the FBI agents visit Miss New Jersey mm-hmm. and tell her that we're going to be taking your role and sort of ask her to step down as Miss New Jersey. The woman that Miss New York shouts out to is the woman who played Miss New Jersey. Uh. So because they cut that scene, the director felt so bad, so they gave her like that little role. <laughs> so the movie kind of ends the way you expect it to end, but... I think it takes this very comedic route where you have them announcing the winner of this competition. And I just love that William Shatner is speaking the song, the beauty and she's grace song. She's Miss United States throughout this whole thing. Yeah, Everything that a queen is supposed to be, but you're seeing the exact opposite. Yep. You're seeing chaos. You're seeing women stealing crowns from women and crying. Yeah. Cheryl does such a great cry. Like when she doesn't have the crown anymore. It's so fantastic. And of course, a big explosion. Yeah. They built three separate huge Statue of Liberty heads for the explosion. You're going to destroy a piece of prop. You want to have at least three. So yeah, you can't assume it's going to go well the first time. <laughs> what did you think about this last scene? Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. It played for laughs. You know, again, because it's not this is a comedy. So I wasn't really I wasn't really worried in like the struggle because you see Eric Matthews and the pervert guy kind of fighting in the back over the bomb. Like I was 99.9% certain this wasn't going to end with someone's guts blowing up all over the it stage. It could have. Although, the one thing, because I have to be the weirdo who's like, like I don't know if they're trick. You know, the thing blows up, and then William Shatner kind of makes a joke about it. I forget what he says exactly, but he, he almost acts like it's part of the show, like it was like a pyrotechnic. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly. Do you remember what he says? Like, it blows up, and he's like, no, that's a showstopper or some shit like that. Oh, something like that. Yeah, but then it cuts straight from there to him being interviewed, and he's like mad traumatized by the whole experience. Mm-hmm. And those two back-to-back didn't play for me. Where Well, I think he was just like getting a lot of attention for what had just happened. I think he's a guy who loves to be in front of the camera. That's and true. To be in the center of the attention. One thing I forgot to mention this entire time, and what actually is one of my favorite parts of this final part of the competition, is the technical directing room, the control room that we're that is that we're seeing simultaneously. Because yeah. I love the characters in that control room, and I think it's the first time I might have been aware of how the behind the scenes of a live competition show. Uh huh. Yeah, I thought that was that was fun to go into them and to be like, what's going on now? Follow them with the camera. <laughs> exactly. Just I, seeing them react. And, and like, I've learned from watching this and Wag the Dog is you love the scenes of a giant editing room and, and oh, technical directors and things like I that. I love it. <laughs> I did want to be a technical director at one point. Oh, like nice. I was very passionate about it. <laughs> but obviously that did not happen. Could yeah, still though. Could still happen. Hey. But yeah, I, I, I thought the way that they handled that extra layer of humor was pretty clever and sort of was like the audience POV, you know? And I thought you'd appreciate it too as a, you know, someone who's in the industry as well. Yeah, it was fun to watch. It was, you know, it was it was a good avenue for a couple of extra jokes without having to either take away anything from the story or add to, you know, you don't have to like explain these characters. It's all pretty self-explanatory. Movies like this. I don't think she would have gotten her job back at the FBI. <laughs> I don't think that's how that kind of stuff works. Like, you know, like, I don't think you would just get, like, you do a good... It always happens in these movies where, like, a cop gets kicked off the force, but then they end up uh-huh. going on their own and, like, stopping a bunch of criminals, and then they get rehired. You, and just, like, well, I mean, they'd have to... How else are they going to take credit for catching a criminal? Yeah, I guess so. But even then, I feel like they would have, like, given it to Eric Matt, because he wasn't kicked off the force. And then, oh, I get it. It's a movie, but like, I was just like, I don't know if she would have gotten her job back. (laughs) Spoiler, she does, because there's a sequel. Yeah, exactly. But but before we go beyond, do you have a best worst that you want to share? Yeah, let's do it. 
first one, I'm just keeping it broad. Best worst joke. I see the most iconic one is the April 25th one, but I'm not going to pick that. And the only reason I'm not is because I've heard it 10 million times at this point, so I just can't laugh at it anymore. Yeah. But it is a funny joke, and I'm sure if it was the first time, I would have laughed. Mm-hmm. But one, uh, it was just a very quick, subtle jab by Michael Caine. Uh, I, I think it might just be like his Britishness that made me laugh. But it was the scene where before we find out what her talent's going to be with this with the glasses. Yeah. And she was she's trying to think of her talent. And she I, I might, I'm paraphrasing because I've only seen this once. But she says something along the lines of like, oh, I think I have a talent. It's something that I learned uh, when I was 13. But, you know, it's kind of like riding a bike so you never forget. And then Michael <laughs> Caine just goes, nobody wants to watch you have sex. <laughs> I just thought I was like, damn, you got her. <laughs> I do remember you laughing at that. Yeah, that was my favorite joke. I think I might have to go with the HBO one, if I'm being honest. It's not even like the funniest joke of her all time. Her delivery is funny, though. Yeah, and I think her like mouth is supposed to be numb because of the Novocaine. Oh, yeah. So I think that, like, her d- that made her delivery even more funny to me. And she had a good, like... New York, New Jersey accent. I believed that, you know, that was like her natural way of speaking, you know, like it was very like unladylike, like, hey, yo, whoa, you know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> hey, yo, whoa. It sounds like, hey, you got HBO, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm getting HBO. Um, what, what about your worst? Worst, I, again, because it's hard when you've, I've only seen it once, so like it's really hard to nail it down, but I actually will say the fall that I called after she gets dressed up, mm. I think I'm going to say that's my worst, and the main reasons I'll say that is because the way it's shot, I just think if you're going to show us a fall, it shouldn't be like a close-up of the face. Because oh. it, it's it's basically a close-up of her face, and then she just like falls out of frame and then pops back up. So I just think that's not the funniest way to show a fall. Burn. And then the second way is she falls a lot in this movie, and I do actually think Sandra Bullock has some pretty good physical comedy chops. Mm. And so we see her fall in a full frame a bunch of times in this movie. And it's way funnier every other time because you kind of like get to see the whole, you get to see her act out the whole thing. And so it's a joke that it was already done before and after in the movie. And every other time I found it a little funnier. So I just think the way it was shot and the fact that it was, they were basically repeating a joke that happens a couple times in the movie. Mm. It was the least funniest way you could do it. Hmm. And, and you can telegraph it a mile away. So Burn. <laughs> I will agree with you though. The falls never really made me laugh, even as a kid. All of them or just that one? No, all of them. Oh, really? I, I, don't think I was I... actually laughing at the other ones, like the way she would like fall on the side of the bus and try to grab herself. But like that was more classic slapstick comedy yeah i think i'm not into the slapstick like i i don't think i'm a person who would be into the three stooges like yeah. i a little bit i'll like chuckle but i don't think physical comedy like that is my thing fair enough so i think that's going to be my worst all around for all the falls and actually the bus one is my least favorite of all of them oh really <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it's just so and then there's a girl entering the bus right behind her like you're not gonna pause first exactly. and then get on the bus she's still on the ground <laughs> so i just had a lot of nits to pick. Right. Nits to pick there. All right, what's your best worst? All right, I I mean I gotta go best worst contestant, right? Like in terms of the ladies. Okay, that was my second one, so we'll we'll do it. All right. Oh wait, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Sorry, oh. <laughs> I just lied. Well, my best. I mean, it's obviously gonna be Miss Rhode Island. <laughs> For obvious reasons, but I will say that New York is a close second. I really love New York's personality, and she's just, I think when you think of pageant girls, not what you think of, so I really appreciated them having a woman like that or a character like that represented here. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go best with New York, too, probably for those same reasons where she wasn't, she wasn't, like, stereotypical the way you would expect a pageant girl. I don't know what 
nationality she was. I'm guessing maybe Puerto Rican. I think so. But, you know, having grown up knowing a lot of New York Puerto Ricans, I was like, yeah, they're kind of nailing it. <laughs> like, they're kind of nailing it. <laughs> that personality, it's a very loud personality. And it was yeah. Awesome. And though stereotypical, like, I did like the representation of, you know, a lesbian woman in the pageant. Did they see that she was gay besides that one scene? I don't know that they did if you look back though like the way she's acting maybe you could find something i haven't really analyzed it that way because i thought it came a little out of nowhere (laughs) like you know i was just like oh i didn't even know she was gay oh she's gay i mean maybe that was the point right yeah yeah, exactly that's funny but yeah she was my best and for worse than when hawaii because she was out of everyone like yes texas was a little like i'm better than everyone but hawaii was like straight on rude so I'm going to go with Hawaii. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Texas, but I think both those characters could have been condensed into one. Mm. And I felt like they were both pretty incomplete because they, they didn't like fully commit to what their idea was. Interesting. Because like, yeah, Hawaii's clearly like the meanest one in that one scene, but then she doesn't really have a lot of presence in the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then they do always try to position Texas as like the cutthroat, like I'm going to win, like I'm the sexy redhead. But then she's never, like, fully that mean either. I don't know. It was just, like, I felt like they were both half characters and they both, like, shared similar personalities. But they could have combined them into one and just made yeah. the that type of pageant, you know, person. Yeah. I was expect. I guess maybe it was, like, the Bring It On vibes, but I was expecting her to be, like, the big red of, of this movie. Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. It could have been the red hair, too. But, yeah, I don't <laughs> know. I just felt like they, they didn't commit either way to either of those characters totally yeah i will say too i've always appreciated the diversity in the five women that they chose to highlight like as the group of friends yes let's have two or three people of color finally (laughs) like you know (laughs) yeah and have them all be different that's great and you had one more yeah and uh i kind of played my cards earlier of what i thought it was but i thought it would just be fun to do best worst talent for the talent portion Nice. Um, oh, I know what your worst is. Yeah, the worst is those balloon animals, you know. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I just love the face. I wish you could do faces on podcasts, but just the, huh? I know. Like, she was so proud of herself, and they were so bad. They were just, like, two circles tied together or something. I was like, I might figure that out in a weekend if I tried. <laughs> and then, I guess, talent. I mean, I was going to say probably that singing one. Like, her singing voice was really good. So, like, that was, like, a general talent, but... The, the fire twirling was fun. I, I would give it to the fire twirling. I mean, that's going to be my best. Yeah. The, the clear cut to the stunt double from behind was oh, pretty hilarious. Because yeah. when it was the actress, she was doing almost nothing. And then it was very like rudimentary moves. And then it would cut to from behind. And all of a sudden, she's doing like cartwheels and kicks and throwing them in the <laughs> air. And I was like, Ooh. The funny thing about that is the actress, she actually learned baton twirling for this role. But she absolutely did not want to do it with fire. Yeah, so why? that's why they brought in the professional they, they for probably, that. Yeah, they're probably for insurance reasons too like you know you can't yeah. put your actor in danger like that <laughs> well let's jump into uh beyond the credits i'm curious to watch the trailer for the sequel but i <laughs> feel like it's gonna be the exact same shit like i feel like there's gonna be another pageant crime and then she, they're just gonna have to be like we gotta do it again it just <laughs> seems like a lot of like not this again but i'm gonna guess that either Benjamin Bratt is not in it at all and they make up some excuse for them to break up in between movies or it's going to be that thing where he's in one scene in the very beginning to show that they're still together but then not in the rest of the movie because most movies that have a love interest plot line for that they never know what to do with the sequel because the movie's not about them falling in love mm-hmm. so they just have no idea what to do with that other person that happens with men and women like if it's you know like I don't know why this one came into my head because it's a stupid sequel but even like 
Super Troopers 2. Like, there's, there's, <laughs> in the first one, there's one character who falls in love with a cop from the other precinct, and they have a love story in the movie. And in the sequel, they have, like, one scene where she, like, calls him on the phone and says, like, hey, how are you? Blah, blah. All right, bye. Because, like, her whole point in the first movie was to be his love interest. Uh-huh. So once they're together, they have nothing, you know, it's not interesting. interesting. It's not a movie there. about them making their relationship work. So I just feel like Benjamin Bratt's probably going to have nothing to do in the sequel mm-hmm. or just be not be in it at all. But, yeah, I mean, even if a sequel didn't exist, I would have said not really sequel worthy. I feel like it would be it'd be a stretch to think that she would now make her FBI career about entering pageants, yeah. which clearly is what it's going to be. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, she she learns to overcome her problems in this, you know, pretty completely. There's finality to it. You know, she she meets the guy she's in love with and all that. She meets her friends. So I don't know. But I could see it being some of the girls maybe return. But I don't really know. Right. I'm curious to watch the trailer for the sequel. I want to do it after this. I think we should. I will tell you that I did watch the sequel years ago. I remember not liking it at all. It just didn't have... It had the characters. It was like having like the skeleton of like something you... Rem- or the ghost of... What do you call that phrase? Where it's like everything is there, but like it's empty inside. Yeah. It has no soul. <laughs> I don't know what the phrase is, but I know, I know what you're trying to say. That's most comedy sequels. Yeah. I've, I've railed on comedy sequels in this in the past. It's really hard to read. Especially when you have such an absurd premise yeah. to be like, here we go again. Like, it's just like, what are you talking about? I, I will say, I mean, they took five years to make it. It came out in 2005. And they had no intentions. Like, the writer had no intentions of writing a sequel. Oh, yeah. But he just ended up doing so many more movies with Sandra Bullock. And they actually came up with the plot while they were working on two weeks notice. And I think Sandra's approach was like, I don't want to have a movie all about like a girl and a guy. Like I want it to be a buddy, buddy film. Okay. But meaning like gr- she basically was a like, buddy comedy. Exactly. Women a deserve buddy, to. Buddy <laughs> I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> she was like, women deserve to have buddy films too. Like, yep. why don't we do that? So Regina King co-stars with her in the sequel armed and fabulous so i remember not really liking it um it was financially successful you know they had around the same budget and made 101.3 million dollars you know what's the general plot basically it takes place shortly after this the events of this first movie and the fbi basically make her the face of the fbi like isn't she awesome blah 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 like she's going on book tours Her and, name is Grace. And you nailed it. He Benjamin was not in the second movie, Maybe. or at least like their relationship didn't last. He yep. gets reassigned to Miami. Classic. Yep. <laughs> and Regina King's character comes in as like her bodyguard as she's going on book tours and all this stuff. And then what happens is Miss Rhode Island and William Shatner's character get kidnapped. And so she goes undercover again. In quotes, I don't really remember how she does this, but like the whole world knows that you're not a real. Yeah, if you're the face of the FBI now. <laughs> and also, like, why does she need a bodyguard when all she's proven is how capable she is in the first movie? I, who knows? I don't really get it, and I don't think it should it needed to exist. I, I appreciate that Regina King got a paycheck because um, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Um, Still. <laughs> but yeah, like. Yes, they had an amazing cast in the first movie and it ended up like being very successful in my eyes or like very funny and great, but I don't think the sequel really lives up to how much of a cultural phenomenon the first movie yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, and you know, even though it made money, I feel like 
if it was better received, they might have even gone for a third. But I think it's yeah. like the legally blonde situation where, you know, after you make the first one, it's like you try again, it does okay, and then you move on. Yeah. I thought the critics were savage the first time around. <laughs> the second time around, they said Sandra Bullock is still as appealing as ever. Too bad the movie is not pageant material. Damn. I got to give them credit for that is, one, though. Is, <laughs> I, I, gotta, I mean, I know the answer is no, but is Michael Caine in the sequel? No, he's not. Yeah, it's kind of figured. Ernie Hudson's in it, though. hey <laughs> So, yeah, I don't, I, I'm on the same page. Didn't really need to happen. But, I mean, this first one, I don't know what life would be without it. I mean, it's, it's so good. I guess my life has been nothing since, it's, since it hasn't it's entered my life until the other day. It's literally been nothing, Andy. I don't know <laughs> what you've been doing with your life. Same thing with Legally Blonde, like... You've been missing out on these chick flicks. I have. You've had a, a an empty chick flick hole in your life, and I'm here to fill it up. <laughs> okay. We're bringing you comedy. We're bringing you cultural moments <laughs> that every year on April 25th, we were like, remember that movie? Now you're a part of that, Andy. Aren't you so happy? Like, you should love this movie just by knowing it and being a part of it. You got some great laughs. You've got a great cast. What is there not to love is really my argument here. It's, it's not do you love it. It's how dare you explain <laughs> explain yourself if you don't. <laughs> so, Andy, mm. do you love what I love? I love it. I feel like you already know. <sighs> the answer is no on the love front. But, like most movies you have showed me, I did have a good time watching it on a movie that I thought, I never really thought I would. It was funnier, like, the, like Sandra Bullock does, you've converted me to a Sandra Bullock fan over the Turn course up. of this podcast. All right. And she did have, her her presence as a lead was there. Sometimes you watch a movie where someone's leading it, like, you know, this is love what I love, so I don't like, you know, our whole point of our podcast is to celebrate things we love and not really shit on other stuff. But there are certain actors and actresses that, you know, were leading people for an amount of time and you were just like, I never got it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, maybe like a like a Jessica Alba never did it for me as an actress. So like, mm. and there was a period where she would lead a lot of movies and I'd be like, I just don't know if I'm like, I don't know if I'm seeing the chops there that, that lead to why she's doing that. Mm -hmm. But so Sandra Bullock is pretty great. I think she brings a lot to this character that probably wouldn't have been there. And I did like the cast a lot, but... At the end of the day, while I was getting some laughs, I wasn't laughing at everything. It was a pretty kind of like broad style of humor that uh, so I can't even put my finger on it, really. You, I, just getting you to comment on it throughout this episode has been pretty hard. You're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't have anything to say. I don't think I was that <laughs> harsh, but, you know, I mean, like, it's a very simplistic plot. It's it, and not that, you know, there's a lot of comedies that have simplistic plots. Just, just even the way that I could call a lot of the big comedy moments where I'm like, they're just, they're playing pretty easy right here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like, I like a little bit more complicatedness in, in my, in my comedy. See, that's why I think so hard when I think of movies I love that I want to show you. Cause I know you look through it through that lens. Like, is it going to be like, is it a thinker? Like you like thinkers and I just like having a good time. Yeah. And that's fine. That's, that's. <laughs> I mean, and I always tell you that you should be picking stuff 100% based on what you love and not whether or not you think I will. Because I, Well, yeah, but I do want to convince you at the end of the day. Oh, so. of course you do. But, I mean, you're literally like showing me that my initial reactions are usually not as harsh as I mm. make them think in my head. Like, I mean, again, I was 10 when it came out, so I wasn't having 
the most intellectual thoughts about this movie. I was just like, girl movie, not watching it. <laughs> but, you know, like... You we're thinking about gaydar percentage. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was pretty dumb at the time this came out. But you are showing me that I could step out of my comfort zone of movies and still, like, have a decent time watching something. Mm. And, like I said, I've, I've grown into a Sandra Bullock fan after all these movies. Again, just seeing the different... Between the three movies we watched how different of roles she could actually play. Yeah. Because um, I do think they all have distinctly different characters. They're not just kind of typecasting her to be a... Like, cert- sometimes an actor can play one thing really well, and then we just go hard on making them play that one thing. Right. And we've proven now with these three movies that that's not really Sandra Bullock, that she could kind of tackle a lot of different forms of comedy and drama, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. I still want to see Bird Box. Oh, yeah. forgot about Bird Box. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Is that the most recent? Like, what is she? I think that might be the most recent thing. She does have a lot of kids to take care of, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might be taking a break. Or producing. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard with comedies. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the one who harps on this constantly, but with them just being subjective, where, like, like yes, I was getting some good, like, <laughs> like laughs, but I wasn't, like, truly getting that guttural, like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. That You know, I'm thinking about, like, the first time I saw, like, Bridesmaids, like, like yeah. I was like holding my sides, like how did they come up with this shit? This is so funny. Yeah. And like this was more just like ah, I see what they did there. That's pretty good. Eh, that was kind of dumb, <laughs> you know. And so I'm kind of pulling a you where it's like I can't really fully articulate why, but this type of movie just I think getting me to be like I had a good time watching it is probably the best case scenario. Yeah. As opposed to me being like, oh my god, have you seen Miss Congeniality, guys? Yeah. Like they really flipped the script. They really do stuff that I've never really seen before, and I can't really say that exactly. But for a mainstream comedy right down the middle, I think good performances, good casting. So I do like it, but yeah, love is just going to be too hard of a, of a commitment for me to say. That's fine. I really am not mad at you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's true. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not just saying that. I, I will take that, and I'm glad you had a good time at the end of the day. Yeah. I... You know, obviously, I love this film, but like, I want you to have a good time. <laughs> so, um, I don't want to torture you while we're yeah doing this so. exactly. And like, I, I appreciated some of the efforts of the setups and payoffs and all that stuff. That's it's pretty standard storytelling stuff. So I'm not yeah. gonna give it like praise for doing the basics. But I've seen a lot of movies that are tr- mainstream popular that a lot of people seem to like. And then when I finally get around to it, I'm like, that was. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like, that's what you guys think is great, you yeah. know? So I'm glad it wasn't that. It wasn't just me being like, what the fuck is everyone thinking? <laughs> like, I understand why this movie can mean a lot, especially to girls who were young at the time it came out. Yes. I do think it has a pretty good message at the end of the day. It's not really, like, egregious or pushing anything that's so fucking absurd. Where I'm like, this is goddamn stupid. Like, right. like I think Gracie tracks from beginning to end. I Actually, you can follow her journey. The three acts make sense of where she where she ends up versus where she started mm-hmm. and so you know it's not it's not stupid or bad by any means it's just so not my style that it's very hard yeah for me to be like this is something i'm in love with yeah no i i 100 percent love that answer well that's our show everyone thanks for listening if you enjoy our podcast be sure to subscribe and tell a friend Also, if you have any opinions on what we discussed, follow us on social media at LWIL Podcast. And as always, if you have the time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. And I'm Masha. And I hope you love what I love.